Wrestling Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome inside the Wrestling War Zone, a Monday Night Wars podcast retrospective. I am JT. Joining me, as always, is Chad. How are you? Doing good. Pay-per-view night's always exciting in the War Zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like opening night you... of a play, you know? It is. It is. It's a big, 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 uh, kind of like a crunch time game. Prime time is how I consider it. Uh, did you see my big E.T. hot take today? I saw that you thought it sucked. <laughs> so I came back on that um, a little bit. Uh, have you ever watched that? The start? That sounds like a movie you may not have ever watched. I have. I, I actually saw it in the theater, I believe. Oh, okay. Because when did that come out? It was 80... 82. Okay, no, I did not see it in the theater. I was wondering. I, as a I would have been pretty young. But I feel I like know. I saw it. Like, I wonder if they, like re-released it and we went to see it or something like i have memories of seeing that in a theater so they they re-released it in 2002 for the 20th anniversary now like in the 80s i remember i wonder if they did like a special Mm -hmm. run or something but regardless i have i have seen it yes um so i think this was my first showing Mm -hmm. um and i'll always wonder because the 80s movies it's a weird time because I, I and I kind of get it because like uh, when this movie came out both my parents are 21 so like they're not going to be too nostalgic for it or anything like right. you know kind of too old too cool for E.T. Um, so I never watched it as like a kid being born in 86 uh, so yeah I watched it now with the 40th anniversary really nice uh, printing <laughs> from a technical side mm-hmm. Um I mean, the movie itself, it's fine. I, I, It's one of those movies, it's like, I get it. I understand why it's popular, but I think you have to have that emotional connection or nostalgic to really resonate right. with it. And, I mean, I don't. So, it's, it's, a, it's definitely one of those, like, okay, I can respect it for, like, the craftsmanship. Right. Uh, it really felt like Spielberg used a lot, a lot of, like, close-up shots and was, like, really going for it. But, um... You know, it's what it is. So, like, they take fight in the bikes or whatever. It looks god awful now, but that is what it is. Yeah, I re- maybe it was like a sort of school or something. It seems, feels like a movie I would have watched like the day before vacation in school, kind of thing. The Flight of the Navigator was a big one, but uh, I'm guessing ET was probably <laughs> in the mix as well. Uh, the Reese's PCs were a big part of that too, like so many ads and stuff like in the eighties, like, you know, for recent PCs featuring yeah. ET and all that. So I think it just like stuck in the zeitgeist because of that. Like it stuck around and it just became a thing. Um, yeah. I mean, it's been forever since I've seen it. I don't, I wouldn't probably have the nostalgia for it. I'm sure it's fine. Maybe I'll watch it with the kids at some point and get their vibe. Uh, did it's, you uh... prefer the ride to the movie? <laughs> the ride is fun. I now I haven't done. I don't know if we talked about this. Like you know, like we've done a lot of Universal and Disney talk on this mm-hmm. podcast, but um, I've actually been Universal in over twenty years. Uh, two thousand one was my last trip to Universal Studios. So I'm due back for a uh, trip there. I do remember liking the ride, but. Again, right. very fuzzy memories. Yeah, um, but I, uh, uh, it's been a while for me. I th- I've, I've been to Islands, yeah, probably like three times in the sense the last time was Universal. I would say it's probably like oh seven, oh eight, somewhere in there. 
What was the last time I went to Universal? And I never, you know, Andy Atherton can start clutching his pearls. I've never stepped foot in Islands of Adventure. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, for some, like, I know it wasn't built. So I've only been to Universal three times when we took our Disney trips in 95, 98, and 01. Um, so it wasn't built before the 01 trip. Right. And the 01 one was a weird we like cobbled together a weird hodgepodge of uh it was a little bit abbreviated because my dad was down there for a work conference so we weren't there the whole week and i think we had like four day four part days uh so we did hollywood studios magic kingdom universal studios and then sea world mm-hmm. uh, i was always a big sea world guy so uh that was the four parks that uh, me and my brother selected on that trip. Yeah, I haven't been to SeaWorld since probably like 1996 or something. Like we went with my whole family yeah. and my mom's side. And it's an infamous trip because it poured rain. So we have like this big group picture with all wearing ponchos and stuff at SeaWorld. But um, I've heard they've upped it a little bit. Like there's more rides and stuff now just to try and hang in uh, than, than what it used to be. Yeah, the roller coasters at SeaWorld look pretty sick. Uh, yeah. One, I think, is the tallest in Orlando, so that's pretty cool. But uh, uh, I, Islands, I, you should do Islands. Islands is great. I, yeah. I, I, there's a lot of fun rides. Like, it's a fun vibe. I like City Walk a lot, too, like all the restaurants and bars and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you should go. We went to City Walk. Would this have been my 09 trip or 03? I know we, one of those years we went to City Walk and ate at the NASCAR cafe that was over yeah. there, which was a, that was a random stop. Uh, yeah, I'm waiting on Caden Carson to get a little bit taller. Right. Uh, Caden is reading Harry Potter now. Yep. Um, he's reading the first book, so I think if uh, that captures his imagination, probably in the next year or two, Carson just did his yearly checkup, and he was at like 46 or 47 inches Mm -hmm. so once he reaches that 48 inch barometer that's uh he should be good to go i I think we'll probably go because then he can ride almost everything except for a couple rides yeah i'd like to go we're trying to maybe tentatively plan to go next year sometime because my daughter's very into harry potter right now so i want to go and like take advantage of Mm -hmm. you know her being super into it but city walk does have a lot of those kitschy restaurants like margaritaville is like the big one there um they get the nascar they used to have like the nba store or experience thing i don't know if that's still there or not but um they had a fun piano bar there too so they definitely had some cool stuff the wwe thing is that still happening or has that been scrapped what was that was it like the physical oh yeah the physical hall of fame going there yeah I haven't heard anything about that in years. I, I don't know. No, yeah. What happened? Like, yeah. You heard all that, and then it just farted out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, don't know. I don't know what's going on. I mean, they do have such a big presence in Orlando. It would make sense. Yeah, I, uh, I, I was in... WWE is in... I mean, there's so many parallels with WWE and Disney as far as, like... <laughs> um you know customer morale etc lately um it's really fascinating like as somebody that follows both companies um uh, but uh i don't think disney would kind of want to touch wwe just from a pr standpoint right so 
Yeah, well, I think Universal would have to be the fifth. Well, yeah, not now, but even a couple <laughs> years ago. Right. <laughs> when Vince was still an upstanding gentleman. I think the only way they would maybe do it would be if um, they end up signing like a deal with like ABC, Disney, whatever the hell. You know what I mean? Then they end up on Disney Plus or something. Like, Disney Plus. Right, that, right? Yeah, yeah. That would, that's what I was wondering. Um the streaming uh, in the next round but yeah we'll see all right well speaking of streaming and WWE, let's transition over to in your house buried alive october 20th 1996 in the market square arena in indianapolis uh i feel like this is you know we've talked about it it's been an interestingly hyped card a lot of focus on the main event uh, but we haven't had much crossover between the two guys in it undertaker mankind they've barely crossed paths really uh, since SummerSlam, right? Like, I feel like they haven't really done much with each other. A lot of promos and back and forth, but I feel like we haven't had a lot of interaction between the two of them. I guess that, yeah. uh, no, because even Mind Games, right? Because Mick was in the main event. He didn't get involved in the Undertaker Goldust match, really, right? At that one? No. Uh, well, that, that, yeah, I mean, we don't know, though, right? No, he wasn't involved in that. Undertaker right. was in the casket in the right. main event. That was it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Foley overall on the TV, the two TV tapings hasn't been, well, he wasn't at this one at all. They only did the graveyard promos. Mm -hmm. And then as we talked about with mind games, like he wasn't very prominent at all either on that one. Right. And the build to his match versus Sean. So I don't know if he was kind of a little banged up or they just tried to um, do these two pay-per-view bridge pay-per-views kind of without him as a focal point, but, um, it's well, been main eventing both of them. <laughs> he's been, right. He's, he's main eventing yeah. both and was fairly on the TV. I mean, it, it is weird because it's like, if you look at his cage match, he's all over the place. So it's right. not like he was injured. And as we talked about, I mean, that's literally him only missing two nights of television really only one. Cause he was at the one after SummerSlam. But I uh, think it's really, maybe they just, like, how much more can you do with them to interact? Yeah. You know, so, like, focus on other stuff and just sell it via promos at this point. Because they've already, the hype for the feud is there, and it's strong. So, like, you probably didn't, you didn't really need it to sell this. Like, I think we've already seen them have, uh, you know, a couple of great matches. So, at least great for 96 at that point uh, between the two of them. So, I could see why, going into this, they felt like, okay, we can probably just sell the show on the fact that these two guys are going to try and kill each other uh, in right. a graveyard. And then... You know, there was decent uh, build and hype for the Sid Vader stuff. Uh, Meryl Farouk has been built okay. So, yeah, it's it's a weird card build-wise. Um, I really think they were just hitching the wagon to the main event and just kind of saying, all right, it's going to be that, plus a few other big matches, and that'll do it. A couple of uh, little nuggets for this show. Um, Indianapolis is a weird town as far as prominent shows mm -hmm. like i would say this is pretty memorable this was the first pay-per-view they've had there since wrestlemania 8 yep. at the hoosier dome um and then like the first main event was there too you know the the uh, twins or whatever <laughs> whatever you want to call it hogan right. andre yeah um so so that's like three really cool shows and then if you look even to like current day like SummerSlam at uh 08 mm-hmm um, and then uh, Survivor Series t uh, 2012 with the debut of The Shield. Uh, so a lot of kind of historic shows have happened in Indianapolis, which is 
a pretty like midwestern town. Right. Uh, yeah, you think about it. Now, also, uh, they mentioned some baseball stuff on commentary, but this was the same night as the game one of the World Series. Right. So. Okay. Yeah, could've, we'll, could've we'll get more of that fire, from. Uh, we'll get more of that from Bischoff for the weeks to come on on Nitro as well. So. Yeah. Definitely could have hurt the buy rate. Um, yeah, sure. that too. I mean, I, I definitely know I ordered this show. I remember watching it live for sure. So I was probably, I mean, there was no real way to monitor the game. So I don't know if my dad was maybe watching up in the bedroom, watching the game, or if, I don't think we would have been flipping because I would have been recording this. So yeah, I mean, there's a chance too we might have had it on the radio, like in the background or something as we were watching this. But um, it was a forgettable night for the Yankees anyway. So we would have just Yeah, they got crushed um looking at the time for these games in this world series is so depressing it's like <laughs> game four that went to extra innings is over four hours but like the game that was the same night as this show three hours and 10 minutes the next mm-hmm. night two hours 44 minutes it's well if you look at all the pitching staffs involved in those games too like yeah you know that's a big yeah, part of it it's insane but yeah Uh, That was all I had to uh, kind of set the table. All right, let's dive in then. We got our opening video. It's focused all about Undertaker, Mankind. Uh, We get some dramatic, intense music. Oh, Fortuna plays, of course, as we come into Market Square Arena. Vince McMahon, Jerry the King Lawler, and Jim Ross open the show. Uh, JR does not get his own mic, and he is very pissed and aggravated overall. Vince gives JR his mic, and he abruptly gets cut off by the first match, which is pretty funny. Uh, Rodney goes to talk. So it looks like we're going to get more JR trolling. Uh, it does not end or die with the end of the taping that was focused on. So it looks like it's going to bleed at least into this, and we'll see if it goes much past this. But as we know, too, of course, on Raw, we're going to get the uh, return of Vince. <laughs> it's a big, big draw for the next night, but... Uh, I don't know. What do you think of the JR stuff already out of the gate? Annoying um, to you, or do you enjoy it? Yeah, I mean, we'll get to it. Like it's it's prominent, so there's a lot of it. It's again, it's interesting in that I don't think there's a great explanation. It's like either they're truly screwing with JR, which is odd, right? Um, and kind of dickish, or they're having these legit technical problems, which we talked about in the past. Like when one of your pay-per-views literally got knocked out mm-hmm. a few months ago, it, it doesn't set a great precedent that's like, okay, if I'm a paying customer, do I have to worry if there's going right. to be these huge technical uh, faux pas every time I order a pay-per-view? I did have one more. I'm sorry. I did have one more discussion point I wrote in my notes. Um, do you think this is the most kind of Halloween themed pay-per-view? Uh, in WWF, WWE history. Because I think this is typically something associated with uh, Halloween Havoc, of course. Yeah, I would say until, like, the recent NXT stuff, where they've done more of the, like, Halloween Havoc specials and stuff. Mm -hmm. And pay-per-view-wise, yes. Uh, We know there's a Saturday Night's Main event. It was a little bit more (laughs) Halloween-themed, obviously. Uh, Prime time, they'd always do Halloween specials where they dress up and stuff. So I would say there's been other shows, but I would say for pay-per-view-wise, this is probably, yeah. Right. I I couldn't think of... I mean, we'll get to the next year. I was going to say, Bad Blood 97 kind of has that dark vibe, too. Sadly, it's aided Mm -hmm. by... You know, the, right. the sad news Still that opens the show <laughs> like that adds like that kind of sad feeling to it. But 
they do present that like a horror kind of match too. So mm-hmm. those are probably the two uh, most, I would say. I like the caskets as the nameplate on the show. Um, I thought right. that was a cool touch. Sony PlayStation feels like a pretty good sponsor too. Yeah, I mean, 96. So when did PlayStation come out? 95? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think, did I get it for Christmas 95 or was it 96? It was one of those. I mean, I was super late. I didn't get a PlayStation until after freshman year of college. Mm. So that would have been late 98. And it came out in December of 94. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it would have been, I think it had been Christmas 95 because I think it was... It would have been because it was the year before we moved to Alabama. I had it. I was playing Crash Bandicoot when we moved. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I definitely had Super Nintendo pretty much until I left for college. And then I played it a lot in college because my roommate had it. And then I think I was just like, I got to get this. <laughs> so I think as soon as college ended, I got it um, freshman year and had that. And I got. I remember PS2 I got with my graduation money after I graduated. So I think I got nice. that one a little bit quicker after it came out. All right, we get to our opening match, which uh, is actually a switch from the original card. It is Stone Cold Steve Austin taking on Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And uh, Hunter is subbing for the injured Savio Vega. Now, you did a little digging, right? We couldn't really identify what's going on with Savio here. Yeah, I only read up to the observer that covers this show. But Dave says it's an undisclosed injury. Uh, I have been on a Puerto Rico tour. So I don't, I don't know if that gets verified in subsequent observers, but that's all we got now. So and he's back. Not not a lot. Of, no, he's back pretty quickly. I mean, he's at Survivor Series. I know that. I don't I don't know if he's at the taping the night after this, but um, so it couldn't have been too severe. I remember the time being happy, though. <laughs> I was OK with not having yeah. another Savio Austin match for sure, even at that point. And this felt fresh. It felt different. It also kind of. Uh, for us, reintroduces another, um, I guess not, not another, but like it reintroduces the re-push of Hunter because he's kind of not really been around besides his jobbing and stuff, right? So this kind of like, I guess he's been doing the perfect stuff, but perfect's been making of his bitch for the most part. So this kind of feels like, okay, we're reigniting him a bit by yeah. giving him a slot. Right, so... I mean, cage match sucks for Puerto Rican results, so I yep. don't know. But they have his last match in WWF as um, Austin versus Vega on a house show at the Arrowhead Pond on a week before this show. And then uh, he doesn't wrestle again in WWF till Survivor Series. Right, okay. Yeah, so he's, something's he's out for about a month. Yep. Yeah, he definitely yep. got banged up. Yep. Um, all right, so that's that. We get the replacement. Also another big night. Chad, because it is a debut yes. of Stone Cold Steve Austin's infamous glass breaking theme song. We're gone with the uh, kind of quiet, uh, sinister music, and I don't know where here he comes. I remember the time being like, oh, yeah, <laughs> like, like this song hit immediately. And mm-hmm. I definitely remember like recording it off the off the pay-per-view onto like a tape and playing it all the time. And it definitely hit a chord right away. Like this was there was no tweaks needed. <laughs> like This was immediately a hit. Yeah, it sounds great coming out. Um, he already has the timing down well, mm-hmm. too, where he goes to the corner uh, at the kind of crescendo, you yep. know, that version that you know. So that's 
it, it's neat. I mean, it's neat to see that. Um, this overall is a pairing that they have. I mean, over the course of this podcast, if we ever get through it, uh, we'll kind of cover all their high-profile matches. Mm-hmm. Um, they they kind of don't have as many, I'd say, singles matches together as you might think. Clean and uh, uh, just like non, um, not the that are televised match. and not gimmick right. matches. Oh yeah, not gimmick too. But even televised, they have a lot of house show matches together. But uh, actually televised, I looked at it today. I think it was like only eight or nine, right? In the next uh, four and a half years. So that's, I, I mean, I would have put that as more. Like I was, because I was thinking about, it, I was like, well, I wonder, you know, like in '98. I bet they had a couple of like TV matches that you just don't remember. Right. But no, I mean, and it's because, I mean, Triple H will get to, but he turns face, you know, right around the time Austin wins the title. So they're just not near each other, really, storyline wise. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting little footnote. And it's funny because if you think about the Monday before, was our first Steve Austin Shawn Michaels match, and this is our first right. Steve Austin Triple H match. So it's it's yeah. kind of cool the way it's you know it, you can see the glimpses of the future like coming into you know kind of crystallizing a bit here as '96 is starting to wrap up. Like we've always talked about '96 being a big transition year across mm-hmm. the board, and you get that vibe big time here with uh, with this stuff. So it's definitely a a nice spot for Hunter to get back onto pay per view. When's the last pay per view match he even had? Mm. It might have been. Was it Beware a Dog with Mero? I think it was. <laughs> yeah. We know he's not at King Ring. <laughs> um, he wasn't at International Incident. He's not at SummerSlam. Yeah. I don't think he's at My Games. Nope. So, yeah. This is, and it's, it's a sub. But you could tell maybe the punishment is starting to end here because he is involved in this Mr. Perfect. Um, he's fighting Perfect the next round of Raw. So he's clearly, they, they're starting to restart this push for him now. It's over. The punishment's done. Uh, Hunter has his uh, chick with him. Of course, like, again, this is the night before the big match of Perfect. I, right away, too, I noticed the graveyard entrance. This looks awesome, mm-hmm. like you're talking about. Uh, Vince notes as well, we have another substitution later in the night. Farouk is injured. Uh, Ahmed Johnson attacked on the free-for-all, so Goldust will now get the Intercontinental title match. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, Kevin is with Austin backstage. He's focused and everyone is on his list anyway, but he thanks Savio's faking an injury and he credits Hunter for having the guts to show up instead. And then Austin says, Bret Hart is coming back to raw and it better be to retire or he's going to retire him. And anyone that has an issue with his language can kiss his ass. The glass breaks out. He stomps on the way to stardom. <laughs> like that, that line to close the promo into the glass breaking and him coming out was like the first real like stone cold Steve Austin moment. Like, you don't like my language, kiss my ass crash out. He comes. So that was a cool, again, if you're looking for like the earliest days of Steve Austin, like this is it right here. So, right. Yeah. Uh, Ross says he's willing to speak his mind, just like Austin and Vince just kind of hand waves him off. JR's mic keeps cutting in and out. He says he can't work. If his mic doesn't work, it's just completely aggravated. Of course, King and Vince isn't working fine, which pisses him off even more. He says he knows what the issue is. He blames Vince, but Vince just kind of laughs. We'll get it straightened out. And JR says he's not out here just for Vince's amusement. We get started with some feeling out. We ease in as they take turns arguing with the same fans. King mixes up a guy for a girl and laughs when Vince corrects him. Austin tosses the double bird. We're still stalling as JR's audio is all screwed up despite them trying to fix it. JR says he's responsible for Bret Hart coming back tomorrow night. Snaps about his mic again, calls it a conspiracy. Bitches about the technology. The crowd chants are Mr. Perfect as we keep stalling. 
We get some tie-ups and some breaks, and Hunter finally slaps Austin. He gets slapped back, and we get going. Austin heats up. He nice through Hunter, works the arm. JR mocks Vince, calls the holds while bitching, but Hunter goes to the eyes. Austin comes right back and gets a near fall. He goes to the arm. Vince keeps trolling Jim Ross. He uh, JR shits on Connecticut as Hunter takes over, starts slugging away into his offense. He gets a textbook suplex and a hard knee drop. JR hopes, uh, hypes up Brett's uh, return again, but his mic is still going in and out. Hunter cranks a chin lock. Vince takes issue with JR's commentary and superstars. Asks JR, uh, JR asks if he learned anything listening to him, calling holds. JR says, nothing like being in the major leagues. Says <laughs> his mic keeps going in and out. Uh, they trade off sleepers, but Austin breaks Hunter's with a jawbreaker. I think people thought that was a stunner, too, because it's kind of a weird moment. I feel like he shouldn't use that jawbreaker as a transition uh, at a time where he's trying to get the stutter over. Austin hits the Hunter with a stun gun and hard elbow off the middle rope for two. But Hunter comes back as Vince asks JR if Vince is annoying with his near fall counts. Or King ass, I should say. We get a double clothesline and a huge pop because out comes Mr. Perfect. He steals the girl again. Hunter goes out, but Austin follows and levels him as Perfect leaves. Austin kind of gets in his face and Perfect yanks him. So Austin grabs a glass of water, throws it at Mr. Perfect's face. Perfect is pissed as Hunter cracks Austin with a flurry. Hunter loads up the pedigree, but sees Perfect with the girl in the aisle. He lets go of the hold, follows him outside. Austin follows out as well. Hunter suplexes him on the floor. Austin counters a pedigree on the floor, slingshots Hunter into the post, and then inside finishes with a double bird and stunner to a big pop in a moment that felt, again, the closest to the breakout with the double bird into the stunner. Uh, JR's mic is still messed up. He's about ready to quit. And overall, this is a good match. There's a lot of hoopla going on to distract you with the commentary. You got Mr. Perfect. The last minute swap. And all that, I still think they did a good job. Good on Hunter to take the fall, you know, before his big night tomorrow night. They protected him well, too, by having him loading up the pedigree close to visual pin. You know, he didn't cover him, obviously, but he had the, the finisher locked in. Um, and it was a good harbinger of the chemistry, too. Like, you could see that they already had a, a flow together. So, pretty fun way to open the show, even with the focus on the commentary. I went three stars. Yeah, I went three stars, too. I agree. I had the same note that there's a a lot of shit swirling around this match. Um, I, I, I don't know if these, if I think these guys have chemistry or not. It, it, they're a weird pairing. Again, like we'll get through it all eventually, but they're right. just a, a weird pairing together mm-hmm. where I know I don't like some of their matches. Survivor Series 2000, I'm staring at you, but um, <laughs> yeah. obviously they have some other good matches. Um, you know, no way out. 2001 mileage may vary, but most people consider it at least great. Some right. a classic. Um, but otherwise, it's it's it's, a, it's just a weird pairing. Like overall, like between No Mercy and the Mayhem in Manchester. If we get to that. Um, so yeah, I, I thought we're still seeing. Uh, this is also Hill versus Hill. Although Austin, you know, is still getting more like buzz around. Uh, his persona and whatnot. Um, and I would say like Austin kind of worked this match more face for sure. Yes. Uh, just in the way it was worked. Uh, he's still doing a lot of his uh, wrestling and I'm interested to see when that changes. I don't think it'll change until the Owen tombstone. Mm-hmm. That's my memory, but I want to yeah. see if that's confirmed, but uh, his his early mat work I really enjoyed here with the arm work I, I feel like he is uh, really good at getting over his stone cold persona and intensity uh, uh, doing good wrestling uh, which I appreciate 
Hunter on top, I thought, uh, was not as great. Um, I didn't think about that with the Jawbreaker, but that makes sense. Uh, it does come off of uh, Hunter really slowing the match down a good yep. bit with the headlock. Not much focus there. Uh, then they go to the reversal of the sleepers, which quickens the pace. You can kind of tell this was a little bit of the uh, NWO disease where the crowd was sort of mm-hmm. waiting on perfect to come out. Yes. I mean, he has uh, come out literally every Hunter match yes. for like the last two months. Right. Right. So, I mean, that's something that's happened every time. Mm-hmm. So you kind of knew it was going to happen at some point. And then when it does, uh, it basically signifies the end of the match. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it's a good match. I, I think it's an interesting match to watch. I, I do think it's in some ways a match that some people hold in higher regard just because of who it is that are facing off. And I know this was for a while kind of a match they like to throw on to, uh, like, DVDs. Right, you'd, yeah. You'd have discussion for it. Um you know, I mean, it, it's a good pay-per-view opener, but between the Raw's commentary, which, man, I still don't know. It's it's like they drop it so quick, and you know that in retrospect. Like, mm-hmm. I can't wait till they just completely drop it. But it is so heavy-handed in this in this uh, in this match in the next one. Like his his microphone's cut off constantly. He is completely sarcastic, like naming the name of holds and making fun right. of events, not knowing I'm like it is way over the top. Um so between that and the perfect involvement, like it does feel like there's there's a still like I and I get this sense with this pay per view. Like this pay per view has some cool stuff going and it's part of what we talked about in ninety six as being a table setting year. Like they have the talent now and they're starting to get behind that talent. But it still feels like we're kind of waiting for the next thing in this pay-per-view. Right. Like, yeah, this match is good. It's it's good enough to keep you entertained. But the main thing is with both of these guys, I mean, because obviously they don't have any issue with each other. This is a newly announced match. So it's really like perfect versus Hunter. What's going on with that? And then Austin and Brett, what's going to happen to that? So this this feels like a placeholder type match, which is which is kind of odd to see on a pay per view. I mean, it is an in your house, so it is sort of a placeholder pay per view. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, overall a lot of a lot of kind of conflicting thoughts. But at the end, it was still a good match. So three stars. Yeah, it's just they cram so much in <laughs> into it. It's uh, and I, again, I think it might be a slight byproduct of the taped tvs right like yeah yeah they could dub commentary in but this is the first fresh big show in a month it's like they're like angsty to get like all the crap back out of it you know that they maybe didn't want to showcase anymore after the four weeks of taping etc um so i think that plays a role too in here the only positive with jr is they go so over the top early that at least it's like done (laughs) like like they cram it all (laughs) into the beginning so he's not there all night at least which helps but yeah um all right, we get a video package covering the smoking guns and their history with Sonny. We get Billy's infatuation and how that screwed things up. And that led to British Bulldog and Owen Hart winning the tag team titles at Mind Games. Doc Hendricks talks to the guns. Billy laughs off the Sonny infatuation but says she will come back to them when he wins the tag titles back for him and Bart. Bart reminds on their team, but Billy clearly is just into Sonny. 
Do you feel like that kind of came out of nowhere? Um, it really felt like, yeah, it, it went from, you know, she was just their manager. Right. Uh, right as they broke up, you know, like right as she dumped them is when Billy was completely in love with her. It felt uh, like they retconned it quite a bit. Yeah, a little bit supercharged too there. And I mean, it's been a month now too. So again, this is like with the TV, like we didn't see a whole lot of that on the TV a little right. bit, but yeah, now all of a sudden it's like, oh wow, it's been four or five weeks. It's kind of like, all right, man, <laughs> like let's 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 uh let's regroup here and get together with your brother and try to win the tag titles instead of right obviously like Chase and Sonny who's doing whatever. All right, so uh, we head back to the ring. The king is, uh, I'm sorry, the guns are ambling out. They're clearly on fumes here. Uh, but they get this tag title rematch. Clarence Mason leads out the champions. Vince talks about how he outsmarted Jim Cornette. Jared thinks it's no longer that difficult to outsmart Cornette. Uh, Owen debuts his new short hair, a new look uh, here. He's got not the crew cut, but he's got kind of the, like the bowl cut, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what you'd call this. I mean, it's yeah. short hair, but it's not. Right. Yeah, I mean, he went straight to the flat top uh, in 97. So it's not yeah. all the way there, but it's significantly shorter than it's a very nice really it's ever haircut. been yeah it's a very 96 haircut it's like josh richard definitely had this haircut in 1996 <laughs> um it's not quite a bowl cut but it's like you know it shaved a little bit underneath and it's a little shaggy around the sides but mm-hmm. it's definitely i think it was good i think i think he needed to lose the long hair to like signify this next chapter i think it's it's a good way to move kind of show that he's moving along a bit him hey, and bulldog like this kind of yes <laughs> both of them signifies uh new a new uh error for the character development. a year apart summer right. 95 you know around <laughs> that you cut the hair uh king trolls jr a bit more to get him revved up but the technical issues vince just kind of keeps hand waving it jr notes again he's having dinner with Hart tonight he guarantees he'll be in fort wayne tomorrow and the fans deserve to see him we get some matt stuff with owen and billy as jim ross continues to struggle with his mic and be pissed about it pretty good series of reversals ends with a hard billy clothesline owen turns the tide and tags bulldog they go to some quick double team king talks about billy trying to impress sunny by taking chances as bulldog slugs away vincent king is straight up busting jarrah's balls now whatever he says bulldog misses a tag bar decks him for the apron as the guns take over we see sunny watching the monitor backstage as bulldog punches bart and goes to a side headlock Vince asks JR what's in the woodshed and then ignores him when he answers. Bart comes back with a power slam to booze and then heads up top and misses a crossbody. Bulldog gets a crossbody block for two and tags Owen, who hits a missile dropkick for two. JR says Owen is underrated and underappreciated, and King blames Brett for that. The champs double up on Bart and keep pouring it on. Sonny has a very thin dress on. JR asks if it's a nightgown. Owen goes to a chin lock, and JR wonders if Vince has code words for when JR's mic should be cut out, and Vince just apologizes for it. Billy walks the apron and preens to the fans, but Bart bangs into him on a whip, and Billy starts freaking out. The guns get back together and are able to snap Owen's neck across the top rope. Billy gets a neck breaker as we see Sonny looking pensive backstage. The guns double up and really work over Owen, taking a shot at Bulldog as well. The guns set up the sidewinder, but Bulldog sneaks in from behind and pulls Bart and Owen back. And Billy slams to the mat, and then Owen finishes him with a spin wheel kick to pick up the win and a pretty good pop for it as well. Again, I just defined it was well worked. They quick, you know, quick pace. The bulk of the story is about the guns having issues. Uh, Owen and Bulldog look strong and win on their own using some tricks and some quality work. The tag division is officially 
uh, kind of past the guns era now. Like that's the guns era has been here for a few, a couple of years at least. Uh, but that seems to have come to an end. So I went two and three quarters on this chat and it really did feel like maybe the weakest version of this ever, but the passing of the torch in the tag division, it feels like Bulldog and Owen are going to kind of take us through the next era now. And the guns are crumbling. Yeah, I went two and a half. I found this to be kind of clunky. Um, kind of the same thing that I've critiqued more specifically Owen. I think he takes the blunt of it just because I expect more from him. Right. Um, but here we are. I mean, again, like they didn't get a ton of time here, but they got like nine minutes. I feel like eventually you would like to see like, oh, wow, that was a surprisingly good match on paper pay-per-view that got a little bit of time right um it just doesn't happen uh which is kind of disappointing here um yeah the guns they they get the early advantage uh they work over bard a lot he misses a nice looking crossbody mm-hmm. uh, and then the the uh, double clothesline a lot going on between the guns with billy showboating uh bart kind of runs into him they argue, and then Bart nearly gets r- rolled up, and then Owen's distracted and gets stun gunned by Billy. Um, but he takes way too long trying to hit that sidewinder. Uh, both that and the finish, I thought, was where it really kind of looked clunky. Because um, just like the way the sidewinder worked, uh, mm-hmm. like Bulldog was kind of hiding behind Bart. Yeah. And then as soon as uh, Billy jumps, he pulls Bart by the belt buckle to uh, make yeah, Billy miss. Yeah. It, it didn't look very good um, on that. Um, and then the spinning back kick did get a decent pop. I, I, this may be the only pay-per-view up to, I'm pretty sure it's the only pay-per-view up to this point. Maybe the only pay-per-view ever I can recall having two heel versus heel matches mm. to start the card. It's it's a very weird start. I know Savio got subbed out, so the originally that wasn't. But I don't know from like a, a, a pacing standpoint. Almost wonder. I mean, it's difficult, but could they have started off the pay per view with even something like Sid versus Vader uh, to get the crowd going, and then kind of bridged, uh, put this match second, and maybe done Austin versus uh, Triple H as the uh, right before the main event it's, it's right. possible and also you have the stuff of perfect so i guess that had to go first because yeah. he comes back out for the commentary on the next match but but it just seems odd like you start out with two hill versus hill the crowd kind of has to begrudgingly cheer for uh owen in this match and then austin in the big in the opener um it, it feels a little weird Sunny, we talked about, like, she's still very hot backstage, but there's just not a lot going on depth-wise there. Yeah. I, I feel like she's pretty underutilized in 96. They, they, they just have no idea what to do with her. Like, I think, you know, they had her carry the tag division, but the tag division is changing. She doesn't fit there. The fruit thing didn't work. You know, they're not really having women's wrestling right now, so... I don't know what it is that could have been done. I, I think maybe it would have been good if they just transitioned her to like a, an announcer. Um, yeah. I know she does some stuff like she co-hosts live wire and does different things, right. but she should have just been a full-time commentator, especially with, you know, perfect moving off the weekends, like give her superstars, 
or let her do like parts of Raw, or whatever. Like I think she would have been good at it. Like we know she can talk. She's smart. She knows wrestling. Like I think that would have been a really good spot for her to be in. Let her be the first female, you know, commentator on the show. I think I think it would have worked well. Um, yeah. And then maybe you stumble into the next thing for her to manage, right? Right. So I it it still just seems like a little weird with her. I mean, Mason was worthless in this match. Like yeah, he, he might as well not have been there. So he didn't do nothing either. Well, should be um, pathetic. The guns have kind of gotten like like they didn't even need yeah. Mason to help at all. Like that is yeah. You know, and... So yeah, I mean, two and a half. I I I'm really wanting a WWF tag to even be considered good in my eyes like that's the next step like maybe we can get there but uh this wasn't it all right ray rougeau is with hunter Hearst helmsley on the superstar line uh jr plugs that and his mic works which is funny because it works with the plug which i thought i thought was a good gag uh vince says they fixed it but uh it was right as jr tosses mic down and walked away again pretty funny he gets in the ring he says he's doing his best job to broadcast but mcmahon has his buck kissers turning the mic off he isn't going to go into the story again about how Vince tried to ruin his life, but thanks to him, tomorrow night at Raw, Bret Hart will be live in Fort Wayne, which actually gets a mixed reaction. I don't know if the crowd was just kind of pissed that he wasn't here tonight, I'm guessing. Uh, JR says he's the one that went to South Africa to meet with Bret, not Vince. And tomorrow night, Bret will have a lot to say. He's bringing a shovel to bury some people. He'll address the fans. He'll address Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon and be uncensored. The egotistical owner screwed up the mics, talks out of both sides of his mouth. He can have his mic too, and he'll see everyone tomorrow on Raw. JR leaves, and Vincent King move along to take us back to the free-for-all where we had an issue go down. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, But any thoughts on the JR finally snapping and walking off? I mean, another, like, in a vacuum, a good promo. Um, what he says is true. Like the Bret Hart negotiations, we'll talk, talk about on our next show. But that's a whole, mm-hmm. a whole thing. Um, so it's just tough. Like I, as as I've mentioned, I think through all this, I I just want to see how this pans out. Right. And I guess like rewatching it again, how abrupt it is that mm-hmm. it just stops. Um. But yeah, taken in a vacuum and context, I mean, it's a fun promo, but I don't know if it doesn't really lead to anything, which it really doesn't. But right. as of now, like, I mean, it's 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 tough to totally bury it, but don't seem like it was well received and they obviously dropped it. So yeah. I can't really praise it either. Yeah, it's uh it's like Jared's doing well with it. It's just knowing it's not going to go anywhere makes it tougher, right? Like we it's talked about of, this ad nauseum. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's but. one of the more confusing things for me right. to discuss and give analysis of in 2022 because you know what the end was. Like I really think if I was like, you know, if we was doing this podcast as a live reaction, I probably would have been encouraged by tonight because right. he didn't mention Razor and Diesel any. So it's like, well, that was a flop, obviously. Right, that's done. Yeah, they already cooked he, with that. He's kind of moved on. Yeah, he's moved on from that. Now there's this stuff with Brett, which is a little odd as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, hey, like he's bringing in some shoot elements that he's director of uh, VP Talent Relations or whatever. Um, so so that's, I, I guess I'm fine with. I, I think I'd have probably been encouraged with what was going on coming out of this show than I would have been going in. So I guess that's a positive end. 
Yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, I, th- I think we, we nailed it, I, I, you know, a few weeks ago. I, I think the play would have been to have JR trying to take over mm-hmm. um, as president, trying to take Muncie's yeah. spot. Like, that that would make all of this make sense, right? Um, that he believes Monsoon is botching all the stuff. He's the one bringing in the young talent. He cares about the company. Right. And then at least it's something, you know, something. This is just going nowhere quick. Yeah, I mean, going after Vince feels weird. Right. Like, you know, what's what's he trying to do? Like, create a poison pill to get Vince ousted? As the I, owner? Guess, right. I, don't, it's like, I don't know. He's just trying to humiliate Vince, you know, for put, right. putting him in. Well, I mean, it works on some level. It's just no payoff. Like, yeah, he's mad because Vince says, you know, shit on him all these years, right? He fired him twice, blah, blah, blah. So he's trying to embarrass Vince, right? Like, give me that, too. But they don't play it that way. Again, if you would have said... He brought in the fake razor and diesel. He knew they sucked, but he did it to embarrass Vince because he wants to pay. Like, at least mm-hmm. that's another slant, right? But it's, we're not getting any of this. It's just him doing random things with no real direction behind it. Right. All right. Earlier tonight, Farouk was shitting on Ahmed Johnson during an interview with Kevin Kelly. <laughs> Ahmed then talked to Kevin later, said Farouk can find him wherever he is, whenever he wants. Even though he's not quite ready to get back in the ring, Ahmed says Farouk stepped to his territory, cost him his belt, and promises payback. We then cut ahead to that payback when Ahmed attacked Farouk backstage with a two by four. Vince says Farouk is the one that provoked this fight earlier with that first interview. And as a result now of this attack, Farouk is out of the match uh, against Mark Mero. Back to ringside, Mr. Perfect's music fires up. He's talking to JR in the aisle. Perfect shakes his hand. He walks to ringside to a pop. Profile on the rise for sure. Like, he immediately feels like a big deal in all this. Like they've really done a good job building him up. Um, it feels like there's a top guy coming back. He takes Ross to spot in the booth. He says he's here to watch the ice to tell a matchup close and personal. He says Austin gets a buy for his actions tonight. Cause he's focusing all of his anger on tomorrow night against Helmsley. Um, all right. What'd you think Chad of these two little segments and then uh, any notes you have on why Farouk was pulled here? Yeah. So Farouk had a hamstring injury. He's also, someone that uh, doesn't come back till Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, in the ring, yeah, the, he's on the, TV. He's on right, TV, right? In the ring, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so that's that's kind of again with the taping schedule. You know what I mean? Like, if you're banged up and can't wrestle on these two nights, mm-hmm. you're you know you're out of the pay per view. You're out of the full taping cycle as far as being wrestling. Um, him with Ahmed, like uh, that's another thing I'm interested to watch again with the feud. Like it feels like they've been like their stuff has been heated, right? But they they feel very like unfortunate with the injuries, and I know that's a thing with Ahmed especially. Mm-hmm. But in this case with Farouk, it, it was a little unfortunate where you know he couldn't do anything really physical, so they have to do the gimmick where he's already laid out backstage right. uh and you see ahmed with the weapon uh but then like they have to say like well he was provoked first which is kind of i mean i don't know like all we can see is ahmed standing tall with a weapon and farouk you know right. i think he's trying to say that first farouk basically threw it down right yeah well <laughs> that doesn't seem like too much probable cause <laughs> for him to right. be uh completely laid out so that's a little wide um yeah perfect on commentary again this is one where we know Mm -hmm. where it ends up leading um but 
man, <laughs> they might have wanted to rethink. Like, Perfect's an interesting guy because, yeah, I mean, the crowd's really behind him. Like, he might could have been one of the top baby faces, honestly, in that, like, I mean, I feel like he gets a better reaction than Marrow, uh, who's your IC champion. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Not a good thing. That's not a great thing. So. No, but Marrow, I mean, Marrow was nice cold until that tournament. Like, he hadn't done shit. I mean, he'd been, he lost to Austin twice, lost to Goldust at SummerSlam. Like, he'd been completely cooled off all through the summer. So, yeah, I mean, he's got no hyper heat behind him. He, he looks like a bit of a jobber and perfect as a legend that's coming back to wrestle for the first time in three years. So it's right. definitely, you know, and like this is a coup for them. If he's getting back in the ring, it's a big addition to the roster. Like adding him and Brett on the same night back in the ring potentially is like, you know, that's that's great for them. So um, and then the Fruk stuff. Yeah, he's I think he's on live wire in between, uh, it, but he doesn't do much because they definitely are. They slow. I think the live wire thing kind of sets him up for the change. And then a Survivor Series debuts the new look. So we're officially done with the gladiator gear. We know he broke up with Sonny. We heard about that on Raw. So mm-hmm. you could tell, like, they realized that just wasn't going to work. <laughs> it was time for a change. Um, it is a good change. It's it's one that really helps him out. So this uh, this feels like one of the few times kind of in a while that their long-term booking plans feel very up in flux, uh, um, up in the air, like in flux. Cause you know, I, I feel like when we started this show last year, mm-hmm. we already kind of saw that like the destination was going into Brett versus Sean at mania. Right. And then diesel versus taker underneath was played out such long-term too. Mm-hmm. And and here, like with the Brett negotiation, um, what they end up doing with Sid, like it's like how much of this was like long term? Did they have planned out? Did they have alternates? And I think that bleeds into what happens with Perfect because, uh, I mean, with the way it shakes out, it almost feels like it may have been a mistake because the right. baby face side. And, and and really Ahmed too. Like how long is Ahmed gonna be mm-hmm. out? Because I mean the babyface side could use some help. Right. Um, especially in the next month what happens to Sid. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. Um that, that a lot of it, it, it again, it feels like a very uh moving piece error of the company for sure. And yeah, I mean it plays that way over the next few months. Like the title picture and the main event picture is the most up in the air. It's been probably forever. <laughs> I mean, it's like, if we've always had a guy on top, right. We never have this like big flux with like five or six top contenders in the mix. And that's how the winter goes. Uh, I would think at this point, I'm guessing Brett and Sean, right. is still the plan for mania. Uh, if you're watching as a fan, yeah. like, I don't, I mean, I guess maybe you're thinking that once Brett comes back the next night, like you're probably figuring, okay, we're going to get Brett Sean too, because Brett has the complaint. I don't think you're looking at this thinking Austin's going to be that big by that point, I'm guessing. Um, until later this night, you're probably not thinking Sid has a shot <laughs> big in the main event. Um, maybe, I mean, is there a path to take her mankind main eventing mania? Like, I think you could see that maybe being a thing if the title somehow gets in the mix. Uh, so, I know I would think Brett and Sean was still like the plan and also the most obvious path right now. I agree with that. Yeah. All right. 
IC title match, Mark Mero defending against Goldust. So this big rematch from SummerSlam. Goldust saunters out with Marlena, suddenly with a title match in his lap, and actually two of them because it's his, uh, it'll be his first of two matches of this evening. He'll challenge Shawn Michaels in a dark match for the world title later in the night, uh, one of the two dark matches on the card at the end of the show. So big night for Goldust, gets a crack at both belts. Uh, King tries to troll JR some more, but Perfect says he's on to what Vince is doing to JR. So Perfect is taking JR's side in this fight. The mic's working now. Perfect says if his stop's working, he'll just rip Vince's off his head and use that instead. Uh, we're getting very pissed off uh, Mr. Perfect tonight, for sure. He's, he's aggravated because Austin humiliated him and the stuff with Hunter. Mero joins us from backstage. King kind of busts him up a bit and says Mero's never beaten Goldust. Perfect shits over King, defends Mark Mero, who stalks out with Sable. We ease into things with Merrill working the arm. He keeps Goldust at bay. Perfect's talking about Austin and everything else that's angering him as we go along. Says he'll humiliate and destroy Hunter tomorrow night. Goldust lands some shots at the back and then a hard right hand to the face. But Merrill comes right back with a flurry. Perfect says Razor and Diesel are great athletes. And the way that is why JR brought them here. We're just all over the place. Like Perfect is kind of healing, kind of face. Like he's just... Completely uh, swerving us all throughout this commentary. Mero works the arm, but Goldust comes right back and hammers away some more. Just a bunch of basic strikes. King says Sable has had lip injections as Mero snaps and dives into Goldust and hammers away. Hits a head scissors takedown. Close line to drive Goldust to the floor. Mero meets him with a somersault senton. Perfect says he talked to Mero about taking risks out there to retain his title, and King disagrees with that strategy. Mero hits a slingshot leg drop for two, lands a back elbow, but gets caught up top. Goldust yanks him hard to the mat, slings Mero to the floor, hits him into the steps, and slaps away. King asks Perfect if he's helping Mero or trying to steal Sable, and Perfect says he only takes Hunter's women away to help him in the ring. Goldust cranks a chin lock as King teases Perfect about his match tomorrow. He thinks he's going to be rusty, but Perfect's not having it. Goldust smothers Mero and keeps going for pin covers between chin locks if we've slowed this way down. Perfect says Austin ruined a brand new suit. Vince says he's sure we saw that blue suit somewhere before. And King says, yeah, you passed on it last time you were in Kmart. And Perfect says, of course you did. The blue light special wasn't on. Pretty good little volley there. Uh, Goldust is back to the chin lock, but Vin- uh, Mero powers out, gets a crossbody block for two. Goldust rebounds with a hard clothesline and grabs the mic. He says he's going to kiss all the fans. King says Goldust is here because the don't ask, don't tell. And that sets up Vincent Perfect to go into Bill Clinton jokes to their excitement. Mero gets a back suplex and a high cross body for two. Goldust sets up the curtain call, but Mero flips over and gets a cradle for two. Mero charges, but he gets backdropped over the top rope. Goldust follows and hammers away. Perfect keeps shitting on the ref and says he's going to do something. So he stalks over and helps Mero into the ring. Hunter comes out and gets in Perfect's face, but Perfect slugs Goldust as he comes from behind. Back inside, Merrow hits a Samoan drop and finishes with the wild thing to retain. Again, fine. It was boring at times. The chin locks were too much. The crowd stayed with it, though. Uh, it was good to see Merrow win with his big finisher. Like, he needed that quality pay-per-view win with that move. And it's, this switch is probably good for him because the Farouk match probably would have also been kind of boring. And I think there's a decent chance he doesn't beat Farouk clean. So this probably at least gives him the clean win. Perfect, I thought was annoying. On commentary, it's one of the few times in this whole push I haven't really enjoyed him. Uh, but it makes sense they wanted to really spotlight him. Uh, nothing popped out. It's just a match. Just to get it. We're just trying to get to tomorrow night with with these guys. So I went two and a half on the match itself. And again, it feels like an appetizer for Raw. Yeah, two and a quarter for me. Um, uh, boy, a lot, a lot going on here too. Mm-hmm. Perfect, I agree. Like he couldn't really pick. A lane and stay in it which i think was the biggest problem because 
He starts yeah. out like agreeing with King, which is like, okay, like mm-hmm. that's kind of weird. And then he like craps on. It. He's like, well, you've never been the Intercontinental Champion. So then it just went from there. He was all over the place. Uh, Vince, I thought, was uh, pretty actively bad on commentary here as far as calling the moves. So, like, you know, they, mm-hmm. him and King both call it the final curtain instead of the curtain call. So <laughs> right. they, they botch that. Don't have a name for Marrow's Moonsault. Uh, they, they do at least say wild thing when he hits the shooting star. Um, so, so we have that, but, but otherwise a rough showing for them. As far as the match itself, again, like, yeah, Goldust. I mean, Goldust is a busy boy on this show because he has the two matches, as he mentioned. He also comes out in the main event to Perry Undertaker, which we'll get to. So he he uh, he pulled really triple duty of uh, mm-hmm. physical exertion. Um, you, again, you don't know quite how long he knew that he was getting this title shot. Um, but as we talked about with Goldust, like... Right. I mean, that, numbers, that, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean like you can't really use that as a complete right. excuse because uh, he's not afraid to uh, lock in a chin lock on matches that have been hyped uh, tremendously on pay per view, and he does that here. Some uh, overall, just not not a very exciting match. I didn't think Goldust. Mm-hmm. We talked about too. He's been very cooled off. Like I don't yeah. know if he'll. Uh, and we'll see when he heats up again. But he's very kind of downplayed from where he was a few months ago. Mm-hmm. It's a, a pretty pretty drastic, I would say, watching it because you keep thinking like, well, he's on pay per view and he's facing guys like the Undertaker, but um, you know, each one of those matches kind of got less competitive as they went along, and here he's losing to Marrow clean, so. Uh, pretty de-emphasized for sure. Like, like it feels like for sure, like Goldust has been passed by Austin on this show. Yep. Oh, which you wouldn't like, think. Yeah. Like yeah. a couple months ago, for sure. So, that's, yeah, he's. It's, uh, it's like that Taker feud was good for him profile-wise, but also bad for him because, like, it just felt like he was collateral damage in the Mankind feud and just a side piece. He beats him out with SummerSlam, but even then, the heat just wasn't there. It's they've definitely scaled back the antics since the early days of the Taker feud, and I think that's made him feel very just kind of, I don't say bland, but yeah, just it's kind of lost in the shuffle. Like he definitely needs a change, which is crazy because this is like his one year anniversary. He's only been around a year, you know what I mean? Like for this character right. to already feel stale one year in is kind of wild. We've just had a, I, th- I think we talked about that in his beginning too, though, but like he was so provocative or mm-hmm. whatever you wanted to call it that he had so many like hate feuds to start out between, right. uh, between a uh, razor Piper warrior and Ahmed, like his first eight months, he had these four like really despicable feuds with full of hate and rage, mm-hmm. basically with, uh, it, you know, whatever with his character. Um, so, so it, it, he just couldn't like keep up that pace. Right. Uh, when he gets on the mic here, I, I did like that. He gets a lot of crowd. He like tells mm-hmm. the crowd to shut the hell up and uh, sticking his tongue down everyone's throat or mouth, oh, whatever. Right. That's uh, something. But um, yeah, I mean, I thought Mero looked pretty good execution wise. Sometimes he can be a little sloppy, but he's fine here. But yeah, Goldust feels downplayed. Marrow's still not very interesting. Sable's 
pretty to look at, but not much there. And King's ragging on her very, uh, you know, King's being very tough to her um, on commentary. And overall, just not a very exciting match or division, I would say. Mm -hmm. Like the Intercontinental Division. Right. It, 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 again, it feels like Perfect and Hunter should be fighting over the belt. Like that's that's what it feels like going into the show. Like that's the most heated feud is what well they have like a weird mix too because like bulldog and owen feel like they could probably be in that division but they've kind of been elevated off of it and now Mm -hmm. they're in the division too right so it's like i know meds hurt farouk's out so it's all the guys you think could maybe beef this division up but just doing other stuff or they feel stuck in between like sid like he hasn't really been pushed as a main event guy just like recently but he like feels way too big for the icy belt you know so yeah same with mankind right like he's kind of a main eventer now so it feels like we're missing those up and comers besides Mero and Goldust and Ahmed, but again, he's been out. So, um, yeah, they got the jobber to the stars guys like Freddie Joe Floyd, Hopper. Um, you can't really put them there. I think Savio's been downplayed enough that he can't really go there. Right. Um, I mean, typically, I think you'd probably see Austin get a run, right? Like that. This this kind of feels like a departure from that. Like I would I would say if this was ninety one or ninety two, Austin would have been your Intercontinental Champion. But right, but he's already gone past it. It just feels like we have so many. Like it's just a big gap right now. We have a just a real low card, and then the upper card, and then like that mid card feels elevated above like the IC level, which I guess is good in a way. Do you but. think? Yeah, do you think they could have maybe rehabbed Vader and just had him squash Marrow and won the IC belt? Like, what do you think about that? I don't know, because I think up until, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know if Meltzer has anything on this, and we'll get to it, but I feel like they had him still pegged for, like, Survivor Series. You know what I mean? Uh, Perhaps winning the bell. So, like, not yet, maybe eventually, but... um, What if Mankind and Taker were fighting for the IC belt? Yeah, I mean, I think that would elevate that. Um, I, I get the logic, though, that that's such a hate feud and so right, dominant they that they don't yeah. need it. Yeah, so, it, so it's just a throwaway. Yeah, um, I think Mero's yeah, fine. I, I, I just think, think we don't have a weird spot. Yeah, there's not a lot of depth, especially now pulling Bulldog and Owen out. Like, that's, you know, that hurts, taking them out of there. Yeah. So not, not that they were really even in the division anymore, but they could have been, right? Right. Um, one one quick thing you mentioned earlier, I just want to note on too. You said like, oh, we've said this like every match. A lot's happening, which again is a bit a big change. We we really started having this over the last month or so, um, where shit's finally happening at least. Like whether we like it or not, or it's good or not, we're out of those doldrum months where it's just like it felt like nothing was happening on weeks at a time, and now it feels like we're actually cramming stuff in. And maybe we could go two hours on Raw at this point. Like it feels like every week of Raw now has like thirty things happening all during these matches is angle advancement. There's guys on commentary calling all the guys is fighting and feuds. And even throughout the show, like we're three matches in, but like 10 things have happened on top of those matches. So it, at least like everyone seems to be having stuff to do when things are happening now. Yeah. It's, it's just a look, it's still a little bit weird that stuff's happening like around the matches more right. than the actual match themselves. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, with all three of the matches so far, the stuff that's been surrounding it 
has been where like the real contentiousness has laid. Like the actual competitors. Which maybe when you're lacking in ring action, like if you're lacking in ring action, is that I don't know, is that the worst way to go about it? You know, like really amp the stories up and that stuff, I guess. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, it's an interesting choice. I mean, you know, like I, I, this is again like my brain. I'm, I'm a in ring guy one, right. kind of angle two. So that's me. I know that's not historically what is drawn. Um, I, I think it can coincide, but you know, like Hulk Hogan's work rate aside, not having. Technical right. classics out there, so yeah, I'm still effective. All right, uh, Jr. Diesel and Razor, so they're still around. Uh, they're on AOL chatting with the help of some typists. So I guess they're not completely gone yet, but you could tell like <laughs> they're not being positioned as as what they were. I mean, think of that last Raw we talked about last week ended with them watching, you know, the big main eventers brawl. Like they're going to be involved in that. Obviously, that was tape night one for them, uh, but it feels very different here. Like they're not even they're just an afterthought. Um, and I mean, Jr. doesn't even mention them really in this commentary and all that stuff earlier. You know, I think if they would have taken off, I can honestly see them being a part of the Buried Alive finale. Right. Yep. Like them coming out and helping with the grave. Side. I mean, one of them so. could have been in the IC Telepicture too. I mean, really. Yeah. Yeah. If it had taken off, sure. Yeah, both. Yep. All right, we get a video package for our next match, which is Sid taking on Vader. The winner will get a title match at Survivor Series. We also are focusing on who has the better power bomb. Uh, I feel like they were kind of kludgy in how they positioned this. Like they made it like the battle of the power bombs, but it wasn't really a power bomb match, as we'll see. So, like you didn't have to hit a power bomb to win, which is they kind of hinted like it was going to, like we were going to see a power bomb to end the match, but um, they played up that way. Yeah. So and if you heat it up fast, like it, it really kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, big pop for Sid is again been aimless, but he's still super over. The connection with the fans is strong. Vader and Cornette are out. They have laser focus. They've rebuilt his presence lately. Got another win over Sean that we've talked about. Sean gets a surprise entrance. He does come out here to a huge pop. Goes to the announce table. He's going to scout his two potential opponents. He gets in the ring though first and kicks Cornette to the floor. As usual, is going to abuse him on the way out. Uh, and then he kind of bails to the commentary booth as the bell rings. So we get some big bombs from both guys right away. Sid controls with a punch at a leg drop. Sid hammers away as Sean is all laughs in the booth. Vader blocks a slam. He clubs Sid in the head. Sean talks about how he has to face one of these monsters. Vader keeps slugging away. He hits an avalanche as Sid goes to the floor. Cornette whaps Sid with a tennis racket and his back is banged up, but he makes it back inside. King works in a drunk Jake Roberts joke as Vader keeps punching away, but Sid slugs right back. Sid tries a slingshot, sunset flip, but Vader sits on his chest and barrels him with clotheslines. The crowd tries to rally Sid as Vader keeps pounding on his head, but Sid reverses a whip and lands a boot to the face and then a second one. Sid comes off the top rope, but Vader catches and slams him to the mat, which is a really cool looking spot. Vader hits a big splash and only gets a two count. Vader hits a splash off the middle rope and covers, but Sid picks it up at two for some reason and then does it again. Vader sets up the Vader bomb, but Sid gets up his knees, hits a clothesline, a body slam, and loads up the power bomb. But Cornette runs into distraction. Sid fights off Vader and loads up the power bomb again, but Vader hits a low blow. And Sean says he'll have to steal that move come Survivor Series. Vader sets up a power bomb, but Sid blocks and then finishes with a choke slam for the surprise win. So Sean gets in the ring, gives Sid some uh, some daps. 
for winning the match. And we now have our Survivor Series main event, a very unlikely one, as Shawn Michaels will defend against Psycho Sid. I thought the match was fun. It was a little off. The visual pin with Vader giving up made no sense. Like, I just would have had Sid get his foot on the rope or something, or Cornette or uh, Shawn kind of get in there. Just something to mix it up. We also never got a powerbomb. Uh, I get why, because of the size of guys, but that was the whole build of the match. Uh, they threw on bombs. Things were good. The finish was cool. Sid gets the upset win. Tough loss for Vader. It seemed like he was just getting back on track, and yet again, he's pulled off of it. Uh, you know, whether you believe the story that J.J. Dillon jumping to WCW, and that's why they changed paths. Uh, I don't know if that, you know, holds water completely or not, but that that's always been the one that made the rounds. Uh, Vader's not hurt here. It does get hurt later, but obviously... Uh, at this point, he could have still been lined up as main eventer. Uh, I went two and a half stars on this, Chad. Just, again, a lot going on backstage in the ring. And I remember at the time in 1996 being 15 and being completely surprised that Sid won this match. Yeah, I was surprised, too. Uh, I went two and a half, too. I was a little disappointed in this, mm-hmm. though, actually. Um, this is kind of the Starcade 93 main event that we never got. Um, and... Uh, I know it can be blasphemous on this uh, podcasting network to <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, criticize one Mr. Psycho Sid, but I did not think he had a very good night at all. No. Um, no. I thought his uh, his couple times with the big boot, one when he gets it up in the running corner, uh, it's not hit very well. Um, and, and then another time when he uses it as a transition and even just like stuff like on the finishing choke slam, like, I don't know if Vader sandbagged him or not, but he didn't get much mm-hmm. air at all on it. it. It didn't look very impressive. Um, and we'll get to his promo after the match and him almost botching it. So uh, not, not a great, you know, for, for a surprise victory and, Kind of uh, somebody like Sid, when he comes out, he gets a real good reaction. And feels like this could kind of be his breakout night. Like, oh, they're kind of getting behind him. Yeah. Um, which at this point in his career, he may have thought was kind of past him. Like that he would get another chance at the main event, like top line main event headlining a big four pay-per-view. Um, so, so a real marquee spot for him. And I just didn't think he delivered very much. I thought contrasting to that Vader looked really good, like catching Sid off the top rope, uh, with the power slam looked very impressive. He did that effortlessly. And, um, I thought he kind of really carried the match and got it to that decent level, but I, I actually was looking forward to this and thought these guys with the way they were trending, could have stepped up and reached a good match level. We just never got it. Um, said like uh, crotching Cornette on the rope. Like that was a fun spot. But mm-hmm. I, I did think this match felt more focused than any of the matches we'd had so far. As far as the overall extracurriculars. Because you did have Sean on commentary. But at least like that was leading to something right. directly. And he had Vendetta's. Um, was going to have a, you know a match with whoever won, so it it really kind of filtered in uh, to the match in the ring. But yeah, not not a lot of analysis. This was just one that I kind of remembered watching a while back and enjoyed, and then had kind of enjoyed the build a decent amount, 
and didn't think it was horrible. Didn't think like, oh, it really disappointed, but um, it also didn't over deliver. That's kind of how I've been with this show right. so far. Like, there's some, there's a lot of stuff going on as we talked about, but the in ring action in of itself has been, um, you know, pretty baseline. Like nothing extraordinary, nothing terrible, but um, just kind of there. So heading into the main event, was Sid the right call? Um, I, it's tough. Like in retrospect, again, um, I'm interested to see now that they went with Sid what the build is between him and Sean heading into the Survivor Series. Because I know on the latest, even on the latest uh, year that, or not year that was, but no holds barred, like um, Aaron talks about that, and I don't recall a whole lot happening. So I'm interested to see what they do to build that. Um, I mean, Vader's just tough, man. Like, Vader, you know, he got bullied and they botched his character so much in early 96. And then in these matches, he keeps getting these, like, visual pins mm-hmm. but not not winning. So or he'll beat Sean in the non-title stuff. Yeah, so he's starting to get, like, a little bit of a choker moniker. Mm-hmm. And in the big match, which isn't great. Um, I, yeah, he just feels like another person full of talent. They just don't totally know what to do with right. in the present. So, might as well I think go they suddenly you. have too many guys. After like going forever with not enough guys. It's like, yeah. coming back. Maybe Perfect's coming back. Sid's back. You know, you got Vader here. You got Sean. You got Taker. You got Mankind. They finally find themselves with like almost like too many guys to make them all fit in. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Um, I, I mean, it feels like they have spots available, like, you know, whether Vader and the guys we talked about are above IC level or tag title level, either way, like those divisions are flat. Like yeah. both of those are flat. So you could fill those out. And, have compelling IC divisions mm-hmm. and tag title divisions. Um, I think you could even Vader for sure in the tag division, I think could have been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and you have kind of the, the uh, woven in storyline of the Cornette Mason divide with uh, Owen and Davey that they could have worked out something fun with that. Um, I don't know who you'd partner with, but you could figure that out um, right. pretty easily. So I, I, you know, even like him and Goldust, like that could have been a pretty compelling mm-hmm. tag team to go versus Owen and Davey. Well, um, I think you know, with Owen and Davey becoming tag champions, you have a chance now, to, and they kind of do it in 97, you kind of have a chance to make the tag titles at that big main event level and have these guys, yeah, these guys yeah. look it up to go for them. And they kind of yep. do it in 97, but... Um, yeah, it's like I, I think that it's like all of a sudden had this riches dumped in them and they they weren't ready for it. That's what right. it feels like to me. Um, and it, maybe it's true. Maybe the JJ thing is true, right? And that Vader was the plan, and they they wanted to change it with him j- jumping ship during this time, which is entirely possible. And maybe it wasn't just all that, right? Maybe they saw Sid was out popping them. They thought Vader missed the window. Who knows? But um, we'll see how it plays out. We get a promo for Survivor Series weekend, which we've talked about. We get the Hall of Fame on Saturday and the show on Sunday. Doc Hendricks talks to Sid. 
JR cuts him off and asks Sid directly, was he or was he not Shawn Michaels' best friend and bodyguard, but didn't he powerbomb him five times? And if Sid will do anything, include Shawn, break Shawn's back to win the title. And I just love Sid's answers. This doesn't give a shit. He goes, he's like, were you Shawn Michaels' best friend? Yes. Were you his bodyguard? Yes. Did you powerbomb him five times? Yes, I did. Will you do anything to beat him? Yes, I will. Uh, and Jared goes, good job, Doc. And he leaves. Um, so I thought this was funny. It, it kind of, I don't know if JR, I think he thought he was putting Sid on the spot, but Sid was like, yep, <laughs> I did all those things and I'll do them again. Uh, so I, I thought I thought it was a fun little bit right there from both guys. Uh, Sid gets a little fumbled. We almost had oh, a yeah, live pile uh, moment here. Um, so that was fine. Um, I mean, yeah, as far, I mean, and Hendricks looks completely incompetent, which is great, but I mean, whatever, stock Hendricks. Um, yeah, I mean, this was, I guess this was fine. I mean, you could use that, oh, well, JR asked the tough questions, which was nice. So there you go. All right, we get our video package for our main event, and then away we go. As The Undertaker takes on Mankind in a buried alive match. Uh, these bitter rivalry rolls into his third pay-per-view match. Another unique one. Uh, you know, we had the Boiler Room Brawl at SummerSlam. Now we have this here tonight. We got a cool grave site set up by the entrance. You see the big hill of dirt, the gravestone. A lot of hype. Both men have intense entrances. A real creepy vibe of uncertainty. We get a cool star as they start throwing big bombs while the pyro smoke soaks the air. Kind of a nice touch. They spill outside. Mankind takes a nasty bump into the railing. Taker comes off the top rope to the floor with a clothesline. They slug their way to the gravesite. Taker grabs a shovel, but Mankind yanks it and jabs him in the throat. Tries to suplex him into the grave, but Taker counters to an inside cradle, and they roll down the hill. Taker punches Mankind all the way back to the ring. They head back inside. We see a goth girl looking on in the crowd, and Vince says, I wonder if her Undertaker knows she got up. They head back outside, and Taker chokes Mankind with the mic cord as King gets a joke in about the Cardinals choking, which they did. They're up 3-1 on the Braves. Things spill into the crowd, but Taker shoots Mankind hard back over the railing to ringside. Then meet him with a leap over the rail to the clothesline. We head back inside. Taker keeps bringing the big strikes, tries the top rope clothesline. But Paul Bearer shows up and shakes the rope and crotches him. Mankind starts to choke and scratch at Taker, peppering him with punches. Paul Bearer hands him some sort of shiv. He jabs Taker in the head with it. Taker grabs the object, and now he gets to work as well. Hits a flying clothesline. He bails out and stalks Bearer, but Mankind grabs a chair. Comes from behind. Taker turns and stops him. Bearer smacks Taker with the urn, but he swats that off and then walks right into a vicious Mankind chair shot. They head back to the gravesite and battle until Mankind kicks Taker into the grave and starts to shovel dirt. Taker yanks Mankind into the grave and unloads, but they escape, and Taker hip-tosses him down the hill. They head back into the ring. Mankind stuffs Taker with a pile driver and the dodges a comeback and DDTs him on the chair. Taker grabs the chair and smashes the shit out of Mankind with it, and then leg drops it onto his face. A real great atmosphere from the crowd here. Mankind counters by snapping Taker's neck on the rope. Mankind tries to pile drive Taker on the floor, but Taker counters that by spiking Mankind back into the steps. Back in the ring, Taker spikes the steps on Mankind's back and then drops him with a tombstone, carries him all the way to the gravesite, dumps him on the hill. Mankind pops up and hooks the claw, drives Taker into the grave. Taker fights back up. He chokeslams Mankind into the grave, which is a great-looking spot. Taker starts to shovel the dirt, and he wins the match. Taker keeps pouring dirt in. The Chuck uh, and Chuck's refs around, but before he can finish, a guy in a mask shows up. He clobbers Taker from behind with the shovel. He helps Mankind get out of the grave. They throw Taker into it. They try and fill the grave with dirt as the lights flicker. The thunder rings out. Goldust, Justin Ock, Bradshaw, Hunter Helmsley, and Crush all come out. They start pitching in. 
it takes a while, but they eventually. <laughs> I love Crusher's Vendetta with the Undertaker too. Ninety four, he was part of the <laughs> the attack, and he is here. Yeah. Uh, it takes a while, but they eventually get it pretty much filled. They back off and leave as Taker's hand pops up in front of the gravestone to a big pop. And Vince bellows, he's alive. Undertaker lives. He will not rest in peace as we go off the air. Of course, it looked a little hokey when he put his hand up because the grass pulls up. <laughs> That's uh, clearly yeah. not really grass. And so that part looked a little messed up. Uh, but I thought it was a fun brawl. They kept it varied. They moved along with some big bumps. Uh, it kept it fresh. They used the gravesite well without overdoing it. The crowd was super into it. Mankind was awesome, bumping like a madman, doing some good offense. Taker keeps raising his game. Uh, I think when you ask most people, they think Mankind won this match because of the finish, but uh, you almost forget that Taker actually won. Uh, but even in losing, Mankind looked strong in the end, a true star on the rise. It was a good way to deliver the new stipulation as well. It made a count with a good payoff. It felt different. They did some spooky stuff, but didn't feel forced until that very end part. I think the only issue is they keep t- killing Taker. He keeps showing back up. Uh, like, what's he going to do again this time now? He just did it at SummerSlam. He's doing it again here. Uh, the post-match was interesting. Those poor guys really had to work their asses off. Like, that that really dragged. They should have given him some kind of payloader or something to dump the dirt in with. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it was ridiculous to have, like, five guys trying to shove all that dirt in. I think they underestimated how long it would take. Um, so I went three and three quarters. I, I thought it was a really good main event. Maybe a step behind their other stuff, but still... Uh, you know, still really fun, still really different and unique, which this whole few has been. What did you go on the boiler room? Three uh, and a half? Let me check back. Yeah, yeah. I said to step on You're right. It's probably above that. And King of, look, go ahead and look up King of the Ring while okay. you check that. Yeah, went three and a half on the boiler and uh, three and a half again. Okay, so step ahead of their other stuff. Okay. Uh, not behind. I misspoke. Uh, so, uh, I went four stars on this. I like this match better, more, mm-hmm. every time I watch it. I think it's a really fun match. Uh, I was going to ask you, like, do you think watching the ECW stuff from around this time frame, we talked a little bit about that, but, like, Public Enemy, mainly on the WCW side, but yeah, do you think that kind of taints the brawls a little bit? Because I, I thought this felt definitely, uh, as a tense a brawl match that we've had in WWL since Sean versus Diesel. Um, no, I don't think it hurt watching. I don't think this okay. was hurt by it because it, I think the difference, like I mentioned public enemy and stuff like that. It's more about the atmosphere with those matches. Um, especially in WCW where it's like, all right, they're walking, they're going through the motions, but the crowd's not really there. The atmosphere, this had that vibe. Like the crowd was super into this. This feud has had so much heat behind it. I mean, if this was like Marrow and Goldust, maybe I probably agree with you. Um, but I think because of all the intensity of this feud and how great Mankind's been bumping around, like I think it avoided that comp- comparison. Right. Um, like this is a gimmick that we don't get a ton and probably won't get again. I don't think. Like we haven't had one since 2010. Right. But besides this match, I don't think there's another good. Buried alive match, right? Like I don't know. I mean, Vance does the terrible blade job, like the awful right, blade sorry, job. Sorry, but sorry. I don't, I don't think that's a good match. <laughs> right. Mileage may vary, but so that's that's interesting that you know the first one was really well done, uh, really well executed, and then we get I think there's four more, but none kind of reach that success. I'll give the quick Meltzer ratings on this show. Uh, mm-hmm. He gives 3.75 like you on the main event. 
Uh, 3.25 for the opener, two stars for the tag title match, 2.75 for an Intercontinental title, and he really aided Sid versus Vader, 0.75. So he really took a big wow. shit on that. Yeah. Um, not not too surprising, given Meltzer. But, uh, yeah, I, t- I took a lot of notes on the main event here. So I like that they started out with the brawling. Mm-hmm. I, I thought this match, uh, you know, we talked about with the boiler room that conceptual-wise it made sense, and they really kind of tried to work to make that right. uh, matter. And it has a very, very impactful ending with uh, the Paul Bear turn. But there's just, it's, it's kind of too bloated. No commentary. There's some things that hold it back. I thought this was a much tighter effort. Um, mm-hmm. So so this is pretty easily my favorite match between these two. I know rating-wise, like, King Ring 98 is kind of its own thing. But I think you can make an argument this may be the best match they have together. Like, it's from a pure in-ring standpoint. Um, yeah, i got to see uh, when we get to Revenge of the Taker again. Yeah, um, yeah that I'm one's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, but but overall, I, th- I thought, you know, starting with brawling was very nice. Like, they, as we talked about in the build, like, they hadn't done a lot. They've been apart. They hadn't really touched uh, since SummerSlam, really. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, like, it was nice that they got right at it. Um, Taker's dive to the floor was pretty crazy. Uh, Mankind, he just bumps all over the place in this match. He gets sent to the guardrail. Um, I like how he puts on the brakes when he sees the gravesite. Um, the small package on the heel of the gravesite was a kind of deep visual. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, a little, little goofy, but uh, it kind of gets over like that. They're definitely like six feet above. Um, so puts over the gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going into the crowd, the crowd's pretty rabid for it. Mankind again takes a bump over the guardrail. Taker's flying clothesline looks cool. Um, I like that he got crotched doing the rope walk, so that kind of turns the tide of the match. Um, and then, uh, yeah, whatever Mankind was using, I don't know if it was a pin or shit, what, whatever it was. I mean, that was kind of effective. He got some nice rest in peace chants from the crowd there. Uh, then you get the chair where Mankind demolishes Taker with that chair shot, hits the running knee into the stairs. Um, Really looks like the match is in danger with Mankind winning as they go up the hill again. Uh, but then Taker's able to reverse the hip toss Mankind down. Another crazy Foley bump uh, off the hip toss down the gravesite. Um, and then uh, him rocking with the urn, another great visual. Taker sitting up and hitting the chair shot is nasty. Uh, I liked him going for the pile driver and getting sent to the steps and the step shots. On Foley, look nasty, too. Uh, and then he gets hit with the tombstone. Taker points to the grave. Uh, uh, the mandible call out of nowhere on the grave sites. Like, one good, one more, like, good teaser. Um, but then the uh, choke slam of Foley into the grave site. Very strong visual. I actually had forgotten. I haven't watched this match in a few years. I'd forgotten Foley uh, did lose this match. Yeah. I thought he did win. It, yeah. it is one that you really think, like, because of the finish, he wins. Um, but no, so, like, I mean, kind of screw finish. He does, I guess, kind of end up on top here. But, you know, whereas he wins at SummerSlam, we get the reverse here. So that, that's nice. Um, 
And uh, overall, a very strong gimmick match. Felt like they cut a good pace. Some good bumps. Taker's power moves looked very effective. Foley bumped all over the place. And I liked everything. The visual at the end um, does take too long because they have to fill it up all the way uh, to where it's not absolutely ridiculous <laughs> you know taker's not right. sticking his hand through three feet of dirt and air they really should have um, given like a yeah like a payload or a bulldozer yeah it's tough and i and i think i mean i'm guessing that um i don't know like the magic behind how they do this but obviously like taker transitions to another chamber or whatever but um it looks like they kind of provide like a little bit of a false bottom too with the way yeah. the cameras works where like you know like it just barely covers them and then they uh turn back and it's like a nice like flat area of the dirt that right, they right. start piling on top of um so so i guess they did all that um yeah i mean the grass coming up i mean it's hokey tater shit like we're used to it like with the with the lightning and the grass coming up it, it's hokey but it it i do think it, it's cool they provided a neat visual mm-hmm. i don't i don't have a problem with it again it fits a nice halloween theme too um so yeah i mean overall i think that i, I feel like this match is a little bit forgotten actually yeah. like it, it, it's memorable but it's not because i think people of these of these two together like it's boiler room one Hell, well, Hell in the Cell one, and then Boiler Room two, um, and I, I again I get it because of the emotional turn by Bear, but I, I really think this is a, I mean this may be one of Undertaker's best matches period up to this mm. point. Like like it's uh yeah to this point yeah yeah I mean it's it's one you really have to think about. Like I don't know how many four star matches I would have ranked with him. Like I did have the Diesel match. At WrestleMania ranked that as well, um, but I, I would put these comparable. Like it, it, he is somebody that his '96 is a weird year where he has that awful title match with Bret at Royal mm-hmm. Rumble, but since then in the big, big pay per view spots, he's really rose to the occasion. I thought, and well, I mean, yeah, it, the Goldust stuff has been fine. But yeah, the yeah. mankind and the diesel stuff has been great. Yeah, like when he's been put in a prominent position, mm-hmm. and the Goldust stuff, I I would say like it 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 could have been bad. Like the stuff versus him and Kama, and uh, I mean obviously like Dustin's a better worker than um, Charles Wright, but but it, you know Taker's had a lot of bad. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just look at his '95 output. He has Bundy, comma, like it, it's 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 a ton of bad. So he's been on an upswing here. Um, knowing what comes at the tail end of the year, that may be going gradually down, uh, very quickly. But but it's been refreshing to see. So yeah, this this is a fun match. I mean, this is a, this is a great match to put on. I think in October. Yeah, uh, to kind of rewatch and stuff. So the uh, four stars, great match. And really a contender, I'd say, for match of the month mm-hmm. uh, between both pay-per-views. We'll see what happens at Halloween Havoc. But this is certainly a contender. Well, and uh, we're not done with them in 96. So we got another pay-per-view match to come. We'll see if that one also over delivers from memory of what it was. And we'll see where we go from here. 
We'll want to take yeah. your rise of the dead yet again. Um, all right, let's get to our <laughs> awards. Uh, match He's of the alive. night. <laughs> match of the night, clearly, Taker Mankind. Yes. All right, moment. I, I want Taker getting buried. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would put, like, him uh, with the final shot, but the overall final angle, yeah. I think the close second for me would have been Austin's music if we didn't get a good finish to this. I think him coming out to the theme would have been, like, the biggest moment of the night for sure. Austin's music in retrospect probably mm-hmm. is uh, in the moment got a decent to good reaction. Right. Like his progression has been fun to watch mm-hmm. for sure. All right. MVP. I went with mankind. I thought he was just awesome. In that match. Yeah, me too. Like fully. I mean, it's, it's tough, like, thinking about, like, the best wrestlers in WWF in 1996. We're getting towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Sean's there, but Foley, Foley's been great, man. Like, it, he's also someone that, in his pay-per-view appearances, he's he's batting a 1,000, really, to me, so far. Yeah. So. No, he's crushed it. I mean, we, we haven't had one match or segment with him where we've been like, eh. I mean, maybe one or two little things, but not really. Like, he's been on point with everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's had a great year. I think if you take the whole package, everything, I'd say he's been the best part of 96. Um, If you want to say, like, pure match rating quality, Sean's up there with him. But it's, I mean, it's not, like, crazy, that crazy. Because, like, Sean Owen, we were kind of low on. The Iron Man's the Iron Man, whatever. The Bulldog matches, we were kind of lowish on international incidents you know was great some were saying we liked a lot and then my games featured mankind <laughs> so it's like um you know i, I ever remember sean's year fondly but mankind's really not that far behind it yeah yeah i mean i i think uh with SummerSlam and king of the ring they're pretty close that's both mm-hmm. of them on the show the same show um i mean uh, sean diesel's better than this main event but you know, I mean, right, this is a great match. match, too. Yeah. Right. Um, and then the Mind Games match, I mean, Sean, uh, Mankind's better than Sean in that mm-hmm. match. But, I mean, it's a classic for both. But Well, let's see how it wraps up. Uh, I didn't have any shots fired. Did you have any commentary notes? I mean, you touched on the commentary a lot throughout the show. Yeah, there's a couple here. Like, uh, you mentioned it, but... Um, uh, Vince in the opener he has a, a rough go where he's uh, trying to gender someone and says well that's not necessarily a her I don't think so <laughs> and <laughs> right. you know right out of the gate yeah. King King follows that up by saying it's a typical Hoosier over there um, you, you mentioned this we're all saying did you learn anything about holds and how to call a match at Vince uh, Vince mentioning what's in the woodshed I enjoyed that uh king it's hard to talk and gag at the same time uh and then talking about Goldust, he said the only reason he's here in the wwf is because of their don't ask don't tell policy yeah and uh then king talking about the cardinals choking i haven't seen this much choking since the cardinals played the brave so a lot of commentary bits on this show for sure uh all right like i said no shots fire the only debut would he wasn't named here, but the executioner, uh, we'll get into him as we go for the next month yeah. or so. Uh, 
Uh, and Final Grade, it's a solid show. Uh, definitely above average for me. The main event really carried it, which it needed to. That was the build going in. A lot of weirdness, but again, a lot of stuff happening, which is nice to see. Um, so Mind Games, I gave a 7 out of 10. This, I went a 6 out of 10. Because the cards felt very similar. This had a few more things happening. The main event was good, but like a step behind that main event. So it felt like, you know, right below that. But still like a fun, easy watch. Like, there's a lot going on. It's not a boring show. Uh, do you have Rashid open? Sorry, I don't remember what I had for Mind Games. I'm kind of between a 5 and a half and a 6. Mind Games, you went 7. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I'll go 6 out of 10 with you then, too. I, I, it's it's an interesting show, as we talked about. Um, I, I would put it as an average show to the main event, and then I thought the main event was great, so that helps raise it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'd put it in a... You know, easy watch, an hour and 50 minutes to uh, a good show. So, not not bad. Not a bad effort. No, like you said, a fun Halloween if you want to throw some wrestling on. Like, the one you don't think of necessarily to put on, like, during this month. It has a little spookiness to it. Dark feel. And, it, again, like you said, it's under two hours. It's an easy watch. Every match has something going on. Even if the match itself is middling, at least in commentary, angle, like, something's happening throughout the show. Right. All right, so we will be back in two weeks, and we get a pretty big night ahead of us uh, because we will cover a pretty big episode of Raw, honestly, on October 21st. We know we have the return of Bret Hart. We know we got Mero versus, um, uh, I should say, Perfect versus Helmsley. Uh, we know Mero will be lurking. So we got a lot going on on Raw, and it's also the go-home for Halloween Havoc on Nitro. So um, there'll be some big stuff happening there, too, I'm sure. And then a month from tonight, we'll be here with Halloween Havoc. Right. Uh, looking forward to that show, too. Want to build for it. Yes. So, let's go ahead and wrap things up. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Everyone take care. Smell that napalm. Peace.